Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network Podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Okay, everybody. So we are in a brand new year. It is January of 2021. And I'm sure all of you have been thinking about New Year's resolutions and what you guys are going to accomplish for 2021. Uh, We are in for a treat today. Today we have Cam Knight, who is a coach, writer, and author of several best-selling books in terms of mental performance. So he's going to talk to us a little bit today about memory, concentration, productivity, and how we can improve all of that work. So welcome, Cam. Thanks for having me here, Chris. I'm happy to be here. Oh, I'm super excited. So, okay, so you're a coach in memory, concentration, and productivity. Like, how does one become a coach in those things? Yeah, well, the reason I got into it is really twofold. One is, ever since I was young, I was, I had this need and desire to record my experiences. And growing up, I would have, I would do these things and um, have go go through these events that were really like powerful experiences. And I'm like, I want to be able to record it. And so it was just always this need to be able to store what I had done because it almost made it seem as if if I didn't store it or if I didn't record it or if I didn't have access to it, it almost seemed like what was the point of doing it? And so that kind of got me started off into wanting to learn more about it. But then after graduating college, I decided to sit for the CPA exam. Now, for those who don't know, at the time, it was considered one of the most difficult certification exams. The CPA stands for Certified Public Accountant Exam. And it had a first-time pass rate of only 15%. So I thought it might be useful or a good use of my time to learn some memory learning techniques first, because I thought the time I put up front to learn these techniques could hopefully help me save more time in the long run. And I'll tell you, Chris, it was a really good decision because it really helped me able to process information much better to the point I was actually able to pass the exam almost on my first try. I passed three out of the four sections and the fourth one I only missed by a few percent and they allowed me to take just the fourth part again and then I was able to get my CPA. And that experience helped me realize that you know, intelligence isn't something that we are, that is innate or we're born with. And that is what I used to think. I used to think you either had it or you didn't. And if you didn't, then it would really affect your success in life. But this experience showed me that if we learn the right techniques or processes or systems, we can operate just as well, if not better, than the people that we call genius. In fact, the people we call genius seem to have figured it out on their own or their brains just naturally work that way. But if we use the same principles and techniques, we can operate as well as the people that we refer to as genius. Okay, so you mean to tell me if our memory is improved, then then our intelligence is improved or then our functioning is improved? Or when we improve our memories, like what what would somebody see if we improved our memories? Yeah, well, most people don't realize the memory has a huge impact on almost everything that we do. Everything really is dependent on memory. Without a strong memory, 
We don't remember the things that we're learning. We don't remember the things that's on our plate in terms of what we have to get done. And more importantly, we're not able to remember or take in and learn from the experiences that we have. And if we go out and read a book or listen to a lecture and we don't remember it quite well, well, it's almost as if we didn't read the book or listen to the lecture. And then we can't use that information to be able to do what it is that we want to do. So memory is very vital to almost everything we do. In fact, I personally believe, because you were talking about goals and, and New, Year, New Year's resolution, one of the main reasons why people don't achieve their goals and resolutions is that they simply forget about it or that it stops becoming top of mind. It gets lost in a sea of other priorities. And as a result, we're not able to do it. That's interesting. So, I mean, you've gotten some great points. I can sit back and think of, you know, lectures that I've even given and re-give them a second time and have forgotten pieces about it. So, and I don't even really think twice about it. It's just like, okay, I got to relearn whatever it is that I need to relearn. Right. But I didn't realize that, you know, that had anything to really do with your uh, New Year's resolutions, too. I try to not call them resolutions. I try to call them goals because nobody ever finishes their resolutions or, you know, it's, but okay. So, so talk to me about memory. I mean, we, we talked about why it's important, what kind of benefits it could be if you're flexing that muscle, but you know, how do you, how do you get it better? How do you, I, I was watching this uh, episode of forensic files the other day and um, it, it's a story of uh, Michael Peterson. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's an author who was accused of killing two of his wives. And um, in that episode, one of the wives had died, like, I think it was like 17 years prior to the trial or some long amount of time prior to the trial. And they had to bring on all these these guests, uh, these uh, people that they interviewed. Uh, and, and they had to talk about things that happened, you know, 17 years ago based on their memory. Um, and a point was brought up on that episode that people shouldn't trust their memory, right? The, the DA kept saying, like, you shouldn't trust your memory. So is that true or is that... Yes, uh, it's wholeheartedly true. In fact, one of the most important principles I can teach people is to not rely on their natural mental processes to, information, to remember information. That's because as humans, we forget up to 80% of what we hear, see, and learn within a few hours of hearing, seeing, and learning it. Now, this is not within the first few months, weeks, or even days, but within the first few hours. And what's more is that we rely on our memory to remember much more than that. So we'll come across a great idea, important instruction, or valuable piece of advice and think that it's just too great, too important, or too valuable to forget. And sure enough, we'll forget. Then we do it again. We'll come across an even greater idea, more important instruction, or even more valuable advice and think that this time it's even more great, important, and valuable to forget. And sure enough, we forget. And not only do we forget that thought or idea, but we forget we had one in the first place. We forget that we forgot. It's simply gone. It's as if we never came across the thought or idea. And what's really interesting is that many of us are living our lives like this, constantly forgetting important and crucial information coming our way. And much of the advice or solutions that we're seeking to improve our lives or to achieve our goals, well, we've already come across it like plenty of times. We just forgot we did or what it was. And you hear the phrase that history repeats itself. Well, history repeats itself in our own lives 
as we're constantly doing the same things over and over again, making the same mistakes over and over again. And really, it comes down to forgetting. And in a way, Chris, it's kind of a tragedy because we can spend all this time reading a book or listening to a course or learning a life lesson. And unless we do something with that information, we can lose it as if we've never read, listened, or learned that life lesson in the first place. Wow. I can see how that has so many implications for my listeners. I mean, I have uh, listeners that are in school, and I, I actually just gave a lecture to a bunch of students like right before this call. And uh-huh. so I, you know, to think that I spent all that time prepping and they only are remembering, you know, 20% of what I, uh, <laughs> Yeah. what I prepped to give them. And then I wonder what 20% they, they are retaining. I hope it's not, you know, I hope it's the, the crucial stuff, but, and then I can think of how it would pertain in terms of like, you know, trying to get buy-in for a team, right? We're in the middle of COVID. There's like right. changing information every day. These nurses are getting, you know, huddles and different, all kinds of really important information to keep themselves and their patients safe. And to think that 80% of it, you know, might be forgotten. Um, why, why, does, why do people forget? Why does that happen? Yeah, well, there's actually many, there's all sorts of reasons and advantages to forgetting. So I do want people to understand that our mind is actually built to make us forget things. And it is actively making us forget. And as I mentioned, there's many reasons and advantages for, to forgetting. First and foremost, majority of the information that we come across on a day-to-day basis is not useful for the long term. It's useful only for the moment. For instance, Chris, do you remember when you were drinking coffee two Tuesdays ago, all the places you put down your cup in between sips? I don't even know where my coffee (laughs) cup is right now, okay? (laughs) Exactly. Um, And then like three Fridays ago, when you were getting dressed, do you remember what color sock you put on first or which color sock you put on? My kids steal all my socks, so I literally only have one pair. So I could remember that because I only have one pair. Ah, okay. Well, that makes it easy. So most of us who do have multiple pairs would probably not be able to remember it. Um, And that's because, you know, the reason we remember is that such information is not useful. So the mind discards it very quickly. Though at the time, it was useful. Knowing where you put down your cup is important. So you know where to reach every time you want to take a sip. And knowing what color sock you put on for what color sock you put on is important so you know how to match it to your dress and attire. Though imagine if your brain held on to that information from day in and day out, week after week, month after month, and year after year, your brain would be flooded with pretty much useless information. So it's important to have a process or mechanism that throws out or forgets what's unnecessary. Otherwise, the brain would become a cluttered mess and sifting through it to find anything useful or important would be difficult and time-consuming. So this is one reason why we forget. Another reason we forget is that some events or experiences are just too painful to remember. So we were kind of talking a little bit about this before our call. And thinking about them produces overwhelming anxiety or difficulty. And often, these memories can elicit all sorts of negative feelings. So as a defense mechanism response, your mind will block out such memories so you can focus on what's important in the moment. So these are two of the more commonly known reasons for forgetting, but something that's less commonly known and kind of relates back to what we were talking about in terms of goals and New Year's resolutions is that we humans are a complex set of mechanisms and processes 
And some of these mechanisms and processes, in order to do what they're built and designed to do, they will make us forget. One of the more common mechanisms is habit. Habits are designed to keep us in a routine or pattern of behavior. And in their efforts, habits will do everything they can to make sure that we stick to that routine or pattern. If they didn't, they wouldn't be very good at what they did. Surprisingly, our habits, as we all have experienced, are extremely sly. They have all sorts of tricks up their sleeves to make sure that we stick into our old patterns. And one of those tricks involves making us forget anything that has us acting outside of what we've been habitually ingrained to do. So for example, we might read a great book or attend a seminar and learn all these great ideas about how to organize our life. The problem is being organized will go against our old habits of being messy. And those old habits will do everything they can to make sure that we don't put any of the new ideas into practice, even if it means making us forget about it. So there are, again, all sorts of reasons why we forget. And more or less, our mind is actively making us forget. And, and some of these reasons are what I just mentioned. One is that some information is not useful. Another is that it, our mind actively blocks some certain memories so we can focus on in the moment. And more importantly, we have mechanisms and processes. And in order for them to fulfill what they're designed to do, they will make us forget. How does your mind or brain decide like what it's going to retain and what it's going to get rid of? Or like, I mean, how we don't remember some things, but like, how would your brain decide like which painful moments to hide away or to not have you focusing on or like what opens up those gates to remember them? Yeah, it's kind of interesting that you asked that. It's is that when people think that the mind will keep what they feel to be important or valuable. But what the mind decides to keep is not necessarily based on the importance or value of the information. Like that's not the criteria the mind uses. It's based strictly on the mechanical limits of the brain. So if you present information in ways that the brain is built to take in and process information, you'll have a higher chances of remembering it. If, however, you don't present information in such ways, then more than likely it'll be lost and forgotten. So it's really important to understand that our brain isn't this like large processing unit that just absorbs information. Uh, our brain is a collection of parts and each part is designed to take in, store and process information a certain way. And if we can present information that way, as I mentioned, we're more likely to remember it. If however, we don't present information that way, then more than likely it'll be lost and forgotten. And this is the reason why we can read something or listen to a lecture and think it's going to be really important, and then we don't do anything with the memory, and so it gets lost and forgotten. And this is another reason why memory techniques become so useful is because they actually, most of our memory techniques that, that have been developed are more or less trying to get you to present information in ways that the brain is going to be, it's going to make it easier for, to, to record that information. Okay. So you, you, you keep alluding to like these techniques. So, yeah. so spill the, spill the uh, beans. What are some techniques in terms of like how we can increase our, our memory or how we can retain that information that we want to retain? And, and as we talk about that, like, is that how you build a habit or I have no idea? Okay. Well, yeah, the memory is going to be important for habits. But um, there's, there's all sorts of techniques out there, and I'll, I'll jump into a few of them, and then we can go from there. Um, one of the best techniques 
that exist and that are going to be really useful for your, for your listeners, whether they're in work or whether they're in school, is a technique called retrieval. Retrieval is basically recalling information that you have read, heard, or watched instead of just rereading, rehearing, or rewatching the material again. It's a form of repetition, but instead of looking at notes or the material, you're trying to recall the information from memory. So for example, after reading a chapter in a book, you close the book and call to mind everything you read without looking at notes or going back to the book. Or after listening to a podcast like this, you think about everything you learned and the important takeaways you want to follow up on. And the reason retrieval works so well is because the challenge of learning and remembering is not with putting information into your brain. This is actually quite easy and natural for the brain to do. The real challenge is in getting it out. For example, Chris, if I ask you to recite lyrics to your favorite song, you may find it difficult to do. I bet, however, if the song starts playing in the background, you could sing along to the tune without any problems. Or you may think you've forgotten much of your memories from childhood, but as soon as I show you an old photo or toy from childhood, everything will surge back like you were there yesterday. Or have you ever forgotten what someone has said and the moment they start to repeat themselves, it all comes back? They don't have to finish repeating themselves before you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. So all of these examples illustrate that memories can be in our head but seem like they're lost and forgotten. And the reason they seem they're like they're lost and forgotten is because we can't get it out. And the reason we can't get it out is because we haven't practiced getting it out. And retrieval helps us practice getting information out of our head. Out of our head. And the more we get practice information getting out of our head, the better it will be to remember and recall that information. I'm sitting here like mind blown. When you, when you said to um, think of the lyrics of your favorite song, um, first of all, like, I don't even know what my favorite song is anymore because I have a three-year-old. So it's basically like a <laughs> little star, but, but you're right. Like I couldn't come, my, like, I have a lot of favorite songs. I was just joking, but I could not think of the lyrics. Like I just was sitting here like, what are the lyrics? So I could not think of them. Um, yeah. I had never, ever thought about that, like ever in my life. So, okay. I'm convinced. Okay. Um, so, okay. So let me give you an example. So like, or let me give you, let me ask you a question. So in terms of like retrieval, so you said like you close the book, you think about it. Like, are you supposed to like write it down or you just literally just sit there and think about what it is that you just read? You can do both. So when it comes to people uh, who are students or learning something from material that they're reading or material that they're listening to, or like a lecture or a presentation, what I instruct them first to do is to take notes. And studies after studies show that people who take and write down notes remember the information better and for longer, even if they don't look at the notes again. So this is important. Even if you never look at your notes, you will remember it better and longer. So anytime you're learning something, just be taking notes. You don't have to be like crazy about it, but just write down what the person is saying as much as possible. In fact, if you've ever seen me in our meetings, Chris, I always have a pen in hand writing information down. And even if I don't look at it again, the reason I do it is because I know it's going to improve memory. So once you've done that, after you've taken, after, the, after you've read the book or listened to the lecture, without looking at your notes or going back to the material, you try to recall as much of it as possible. Try to recall all the topics that were discussed, the details that were used to support the topics, and everything in between. 
And then what you do is you go back to your notes or the material to verify how much of what you recalled was complete and accurate. And if there was anything missing, then you will know that your memory of it wasn't strong. So you can get back to those points to reinforce it. And that's what makes retrieval so fantastic is that, and why it's so effective, and in fact, more effective than other memory aids, is because it gives you immediate feedback. When you go to recall information that you have read, heard, learned, or experienced, and you're not able to do so, right away, you know that there's gaps in your learning or your understanding or your memory. And then you can go back to the material and reinforce that part. Um, so yeah, so that's how more or less how you're doing retrieval. But that's if you're doing it for information you're learning. But if you have some people in your audience or listeners who are at work and need to recall information, well, you don't have to be as diligent, but just, you know, if somebody gives you instructions, try to recall back what the instructions were. If you learn something on the fly, as you're doing other things, you can think about what somebody had, what that person had said or what you had just learned to keep that information on top of mind and constantly reinforcing the actual retrieval of it. That's interesting. So in terms of like I'm leading staff or whatever, and I have frontline staff there and and, you know, it's just really crucial information that I want them to have something maybe like related to patient safety. Um, would I like ask them to do that activity or how could I help my staff also retain that information? So with your, so if I can reiterate, you'll be giving people instructions and you want them to retain that instruction? Yeah. Okay. So I would probably on the fly like that, I would probably use a combination of uh, repetition and retrieval. So I talked quite a bit about retrieval and why it's beneficial. So I'll go a little bit into repetition to, for your audience to understand why repetition is important. Because as soon as I say the word repetition, people tend to tune out because repetition is a tech, something that we've already heard. And because we've already heard about it, especially from childhood, we think it won't be all that useful or valuable. But I really want to stress the importance of repetition. And that is, anytime a memory is formed, grooves or tracks are created in the brain. And you can think of these grooves or tracks like footprints or breadcrumbs that lead to a specific memory. The more that a thought, idea, or a fact is repeated, the deeper those grooves or tracks of that memory get, making it easier for the mind to find that piece of information. Now, it's important to understand those grooves or tracks are not made deepened by how important or valuable that information is. So Chris, if you're giving your staff important information, just because it's important and critical doesn't mean that was, those grooves are going to be deepened. Uh, so that what they really need to do is repeat that information. And what I would have them do is either repeat it back to you or repeat it to themselves, whatever instructions you're giving, and then try to retrieve it later in the day as well. Because retrieval is also an act of repetition. It's a more effective form of it. And that'll keep that information on top of their mind as they're going about their day keeping that instruction and following it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, that, you, like, we sit there and try to, you know, I'm, like, just thinking about so many ways this could be applicable because, like, for example, one issue that um, I know a lot of, of um, organizations face is, um, like, for example, discharge information. Like, we want to give this information to the patient to make sure the patient doesn't end up back in the hospital. But I mean, honestly, like put yourself in a, the shoes of being in a hospital in a gown with, you know, not your own underwear on yeah. and, you know, and and then like trying to get home as fast as you can because you want your own food or you just don't feel good. And people are trying to teach you how to take care of yourself. Like 
not very much information would stick. And so, I mean, I can see how this not only could apply to like your frontline staff and, um, you know, just kind of getting your, your team on board, but like, even like in patient care, this could be a really revolutionary piece of how we um, have our patients retain the information so that they, you know, keep themselves safe and healthy. Yeah, exactly. Because otherwise, if we don't do anything to do with that information, like I mentioned, it'll get lost and forgotten. And that's what usually ends up happening. You know, the, one of the reasons patients aren't following what they're supposed to do is because that information or the instructions that the nurses have given them aren't staying on top of mind. And one of the reasons they're not stopping staying on top of mind is because they're not doing anything to reinforce that memory, either with repetition or with retrieval. And if I can add another memory technique that really would be a great combination, repetition and retrieval and another memory technique, it could be really powerful in helping us remember things, especially instructions on the fly. So if you'd like, I could share that right now. Oh, yeah, please. Okay. So that technique is going to be visualization. And it's a technique that you don't really hear about a lot in the way that I describe it, because it's something that I've really been actively working to evolve. And visualization, more or less, is creating a mental image. It is using the imagination to sketch a picture, scene, or process in your mind of the information you want to remember. So, Chris, you know what a dolphin looks like, right? Yeah. And you know the color red? Yes. Okay. Now, if you were to imagine a red dolphin, you're more or less using visualization. So, for humans, vision is our dominant sense. For dogs and sharks, it's smell. And for bats and dolphins, it's hearing. But as humans, we remember pictures, places, and faces far better than any other type of information. In fact, nearly 50% of our brain's processing power is used to process visual information, and we retain as much as 50% of what we see as opposed to what we read or hear, which only has a 20% retention. So our mind is built to learn and remember information visually, and that's what makes visualization such a great tool is because it allows you to visually see the information. And more or less, what you're doing with visualization is you're just kind of picturing what it is that you want to remember. The best way to do it is obviously close your eyes and picture uh, that information. And for students, if they're learning about the body, they can actually close their eyes and picture exactly what part of the body they're learning, all the details of it, and really create a crystal clear image of all those parts and and what they do and all of that. But for people... um, Uh, you know, on the fly of what we're talking about right now is in addition to repeating the information back that you're giving them, Chris, having them repeat it back to you, you can have them visualize themselves doing it. And they don't necessarily have to close their eyes. They can just like, we can kind of visualize things with our eyes open and they can quickly see themselves doing the thing that you had instructed them to. And that is going to burn that memory into their brain in a better way then just repeat it. But combined with repeat, repetition, and retrieval, all three together, it's going to reinforce the memory um, really well and in a very quick and short time. Wow. I have been a leader for a long time, and I don't think I've ever asked anybody to do any of those things. And so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Okay. So we've, we've talked a lot about, like, improving your memory, helping you retain things. Right now, because we're in the middle of a pandemic, like, all the nurses that I talk to are just, you know, like they're retaining way too much, actually, probably. I mean, they're they're struggling with the plethora of information that's coming out there. 
Um, you know, I think we all know, like when you're multitasking and you have so many things going on, like you tend to, to forget. So like, is there any tips or techniques you have in terms of like getting out of our own heads so that we could remember the right things or how do we go about that? Well, um, a lot of the information I've kind of given you will help do that. As long as we're repeating back information that we think we hope it's going to be critical. It's gonna add that extra layer of the, the the neural pathways being deepened. And then if we're regularly retrieving that information, and if we're visualizing that information as well, whether it's for students but on the fly in a you know life situation or critical situation, together that's gonna be really useful. And at the end of the day, what the nurses can do is do something called a daily review. A daily review is exactly what it sounds. It's at the end of the day, reviewing everything that happened, occurred, or they learned in that day. So you spend about, you know, 10 to 15 minutes going over everything that you came across, everything that was critical, and everything that you need to be following up on or making sure that you remember on a regular basis at the end of that day. And by doing that, you're more or less practicing retrieval because it's a form of retrieval, but you're kind of doing it not on a specific information, but everything you learned that day. And if, you, if a person gets into the habit of doing it on a regular basis, like spending just 10 to 15 minutes each evening thinking about everything that happened in the day, their memory of what's happening and the important things that they need to keep on top of mind is going to grow stronger. But more importantly, over time, the mind starts to realize, hey, this information is going to be useful later on, or I'm going to be called on to recall this information at the end of the day. So it does a better job during the day to remember it. In fact, if somebody just spends 10 to 15 minutes doing daily review on um, every single day, over time, their memory of the things that they do during the day naturally becomes um, better without having to actually use any techniques. Oh, interesting. Will it, they will they create like a habit then after? Does that like become habitual or how does, is there any kind of like overlap in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the beginning, it's going to be kind of tough because in many ways, retrieval, it's kind of a tough technique to do in the beginning as it is. Because since we were growing up, the educational system and every and all the information we're coming across was forced, has been teaching us to put information into our head, but never really teaching us about the importance of getting it out. So in the beginning, you'll find that it's actually not easy to recall information or to retrieve information. Um, but the more we do it, the more easier it becomes and the more habituated we do it. And if we just make it uh, a practice to do it every evening, and we can do this actually while laying in bed right before we go to bed, just close your eyes and just try to recall as much as you can about what happened in the day. And uh, a great way is to actually when you close your eyes to picture yourself back to the different events or situations you were in that day, maybe in a meeting, maybe in a ICU room or whatnot. And you'll, you'll notice that the memory start becoming triggered. And again, if you just do that every day, um, it'll start to form habits. And once it starts to become habitual, the process of recalling information will become a lot easier. And you'll remember a lot more of what goes on on a day-to-day -day basis. Important especially the important critical stuff that really needs to be on top of mind. So kind of looping back to New Year's resolutions and goals. So you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, our body actively 
tries to keep us in our habits. So if we're trying to form a new habit, um, would we use that same technique around like visualizing ourselves doing something or how would we, you know, use our, our memory or some of these skills to get us to those goals? Yeah. When it comes to our New Year's goals and developing habits and especially remembering the things we need to be doing, what I usually teach people is that every morning, close your eyes and visualize everything you want to be doing that day or you need to get done that day. And it may seem like it'll be difficult to do or time consuming, but it only takes really a few minutes to just like visualize yourself. Okay, I need to make this call. I need to um, write a pitch to this person. I need to do this. And if we get into the habit of just visualizing that every morning, not only will we see ourselves, not only will you shockingly realize that you actually do all the things you visualize, but over time, it does start to form into habits. But when it comes to habits, I want to really uh, emphasize something important that people don't really understand about how to not only break habits, but to form new habits. And it really helps to understand that we are made up of life forms so small, we can't see it with the naked eye. You know, billions and billions of molecules come together to form the cells in our body. And billions and billions of cells come together to form the tissue and tissue combinations form muscles and the, and the muscles um, form organs and the systems of organs create systems like the digestive systems and the nervous systems. And all the systems make, up, make us up, make all the systems together, make us what is us. Now, all those cells and tissues and muscles and organs and systems have to line up a certain way to be able to do what we're doing. And when we try to change, try to do something different, you know, all of that stuff has to change to be able to support that new behavior. And that changing doesn't come easy. It takes a while. So when it comes to forming habits, it's really important to go slow, to take it one step at a time, to give our bodies the time it needs to rearrange the cells, the tissues, the muscles, and everything else to support that new behavior. And um, a lot of people, they kind of jump into it too quickly, and which is why we can do something for a short period, but very quickly we get snapped back into our old ways. It's because we haven't allowed all those little minuscule things to rearrange themselves for that new behavior. But the key way to do that, to make sure that we continue to show up every day, is to visualize the things that we need to be doing on a regular basis. Every morning when you wake up, before you jump out of bed, just close your eyes and visualize that goal and the individual items that you need to achieve that goal and picture yourself doing it. And if you do that on a regular basis, not only will you remember the things you need to be doing on a regular basis, but the simple act of visualization will actually create the outcome. It kind of goes back to the law of attraction. You know, what you visualize will appear. So if you visualize yourself doing what it is you want to be doing or need to be doing for the goal, you're more likely to take action on it without really much effort or force. I know that was a long explanation, so hopefully that was helpful. No, it was beyond helpful. And let me tell you something. Right now, what I'm going to be visualizing is the lottery is like worth half a billion dollars. So I'm <laughs> going to be visualizing myself laying on a bed of money that I can donate to all kinds of like, I'm going to be just sitting on a pile of money, like sending it out. I'm going to visualize yeah. that tonight. Um, no, it, it totally makes sense. And 
I mean, so so is there any truth then into like, you know, 30 days to make a habit or break a habit? Or is that kind of like an old wives tale? I mean, there is truth in it takes X amount of day, 17 or 30 days to, I would say, to begin st- to start forming habits. So it's not like 30 days to, to solidify a habit that will kind of start working on its own. It'll take maybe, you know, the first two to two to four weeks to start forming the habits where things start becoming easier to do. But it's really important to understand if, uh, unless we're consciously engaged in making sure that we're continuing doing it, we will more than likely stop. And as soon as we stop, all habits will start to creep in. So it's really important to understand that um, the old is always wanting to come back. It's always wanting to come back. So we need to make sure that what we, the new that we're doing, it's going to stick. And it'll take much longer than the two to four weeks for the new habits to stick and are operating on their own, where it just becomes easy and natural to do them. Though it does take about two to four weeks for that process to get initiated. And one important thing about the comment you had just made about uh, visualizing the, you know, the millions of dollars. Half a billion. Half a billion, yeah. So it's important to visualize the end result of your goal, but where visualization is really going to help people is to visualize the individual steps you need to take the goal, to to achieve the goal, and you seeing yourself doing that. That's really where the, 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 the power of visualization comes in in achieving a goal. Okay, so I'm going to see myself buying a lottery ticket. Today. Exactly. So you got to make sure you buy the lottery <laughs> ticket first before you win the lottery. That's more or less what I'm saying. So visualize yourself in the morning when you wake up, getting up, getting dressed, going out to wherever you go to buy the ticket, buying that ticket, and then see the money coming through. <laughs> I love it. But it's true, though. You know, they say that, like, your goals really have to start with with one thing, and that is that you believe that they can come true, right? So if you're, right. you know, if you constantly tell yourself, like, oh, I'll never lose the weight, if you're telling yourself that's true, then that's going to be true. You will never lose the weight. And I guess that's perhaps why we see, well, not this year because of COVID, but in, in past years, that's why we see that huge drop-off of um, people going to the gym after that two to four weeks, right? They're so motivated right. to go. They're starting to develop a habit. And then, bam. They're all gone after January. Exactly. The old beliefs come in and say, hey, this is not in line with our internally her beliefs, so we can't let you do it. And it's an important point that you bring up beliefs because, you know, I said habits are one of the more commonly known mechanisms. Well, another mechanism that makes us forget is also beliefs. If we're doing anything that goes against our beliefs, well, that belief is going to do everything it can to keep us from doing it. And like habits, it has all sorts of tricks up its sleeves. And like habits, one of those tricks is making us forget anything um, that we're trying to do that goes against our belief. So if we have a, like a poor belief about ourselves that, you know, we can't lose weight or we can't have the success and we're trying to do that and we're trying to lose weight and get that success, well, over time, that belief is going to make you forget all those things you need to be doing. So you go back to your old ways that reinforce that old belief. Oh, wow. Is there a way to change your beliefs or how, like what is that a whole nother topic? <laughs> um, <laughs> there are there are all sorts of ways to change beliefs, though they tend to be quite complicated okay. and require a lot of work. And if somebody is kind of struggling, 
with just doing the basic stuffs, then working on changing the beliefs can be a little bit more difficult. Okay. And which is, I know I'm going to go back to the visualization, specifically the one about in the morning visualizing your day and, and what you need to be doing. Because sometimes this, with visualization, it almost doesn't matter what your beliefs are because our mind, the way it's designed, it is designed to follow the, strong, the images that we hold in our head. So if we're holding images of the things we need to do for our goal and achieve our goal, in some ways it doesn't really matter what our beliefs is, we'll be naturally guided to those images. It's kind of like when you were a kid and learning to ride a bike and you saw like a rock or tree you wanted to avoid, but your eyes were fixed on the rock and tree and what inevitably happened? You ran into the rock or tree. <laughs> <laughs> and so our mind literally will guide our bodies towards what the images that we're holding in our head. And if we can change those images, we're going to be more naturally guided towards those images. And if what we're holding is going to be doing the things we need for our goal or us achieving our goal, then we're more likely going to have that. And the other thing to kind of overcome our beliefs is just being hanging around people that are doing or are successful at the thing that you want to achieve. Because as humans, we have a whole set of neurons in our mind and body called mirror neurons, and their whole purpose is to mimic the behaviors, attitudes, and even beliefs of others. So if we can be around people who have the success we want or are actively working towards it, we're much more likely to ourselves be doing that and achieving it. It's actually something that's unconscious and we don't actually have to put a lot of effort into. All we have to do is be around those people, which is why mind masterminds work so well. In fact, what I teach people is that you're either mimicking the people who are struggling or mimicking the people who are growing. And if you want to be growing, you want to be around people who are growing and your unconscious will naturally take care of the rest. Wow. I had heard that if, um, you know, you want to be successful, hang around successful or, you know, whatever it is you want to be, you hang around with it. But I didn't understand uh, the mechanism behind it. And so that yeah. makes total sense. And I, I get it. And so I think it's great advice. It's great advice for, you know, the listeners in terms of if they're looking to be in leadership to really surround themselves around great leaders. Um, because if you don't surround yourself around great leaders and you surround yourself around uh, mediocre or maybe even bad leaders, um, you know, you're going to pick those habits up. So Exactly. And you're going to pick them up and you won't even realize you're picking them up and you don't actually have any choice in the matter. It's just you're picking it up. And you can't be around poor leaders or people who are not leaders and decide that you don't want to pick up their behavior. It's, it's really just an automatic process that just happens. Just being around the people you're around, you naturally pick it up. In fact, I have a very fascinating story to share about this. When I was in Thailand, um, I had met a woman who had a really interesting accent. And I was like, hey, from your accent, it sounds like that you're either from Germany or Holland. And she's like, yeah, I'm from Holland. And then I'm like, you know, it sounds like you may have spent some time in Australia. And she's like, yeah, I spent two years doing a work abroad there. Because Australia allows uh, pe international people to come and work in Australia for a few years. And then I was like, you know, 
if I were to guess, it seemed like you either lived in Sydney or Melbourne. And she was like, yeah, I lived in Melbourne. And what this story illustrates is that without her even realizing, she was picking up the accents of the people she was around. And if we can pick up the accents of the people we're around without even knowing, what else are we picking up that we're not knowing? In fact, we're picking up a lot. Like I said, we're picking up attitudes, we're picking up the mindsets, we're picking up the beliefs, we're picking up how they talk and deal with things and how, and you know, if we're around people who get worked up easily, our mind assumes that's the way that how we should be reacting. And then we naturally, all of a sudden, without realizing, start to become more worked up as well. Wow, that's true. And, and I even see it with like, my husband, like we've been living together for, you know, over a decade and we have picked up each other's like mannerisms. Yeah. And, and then I, I look at my little three-year-old and I'm like, oh my God, she's a mini me. What did I do? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I mean, you're spot on around kind of picking up these habits, whether they're bad or good, just uh, by being in the presence of these folks. Yeah. And it wasn't like you and your husband were sitting down every night thinking, writing down what um, mannerisms and things you were going to pick up. It just kind of happened. And a few years later, you're like, oh, my gosh, like. I'm like, stop trying to be me. Well, you're not. Stop it. Yeah. And and you bring up kids. So I want to give, I know this is more for your nurses, but if I can give some kid advice, that advice to like do as I say, not as I do. Well, that doesn't work because your child is built to absorb what you're doing. It's built to like look at you and see what you're doing. and And without him even realizing uh, his body is like picking up and the cells and the tissues and the muscles are forming to mimic you. So you could tell him or her to not do something, but if he's seeing you doing what you're telling him or her not to do, more than likely he's going to do it. Yeah, I think I have several listeners that, I mean, a, a huge portion of my listeners have children, but I could see how that even works with your staff, right? So if I'm sitting here in the middle of a pandemic telling my staff, take care of yourself, rest, get, you know, eat healthy, take time off. And I'm as a leader not doing that. Same thing, right? I'm going to have a team that no matter how much I tell them to take care of themselves in the middle of pandemic, they're not going to do it if they don't see me doing it. So I think uh, that's a huge lesson for those that are leading teams. And, and even with patients, right? How are you going to tell a patient to, you know, take care of themselves and get better if you as a nurse are are struggling? Exactly, exactly. This is extremely crucial advice for for the leader, especially nurse leaders, if you're going to be telling the nurses to take care of themselves and you yourself are not, they're going to see it. And not only that, but if you are taking care of yourself, they're going to see, it's going to it's gonna show in how you come off and present. You're going to be more calm, more relaxed, and they're going to pick up those behaviors versus the alternative. Wow. Oh, wow. Well, Cam... I have had a fantastic time with you today. I feel honestly like I just paid for like a thousand dollar lecture. And so <laughs> I just want to start off by saying thank you so much for coming on the show. You have so much knowledge, so much information that really um, will serve my audience and, you know, so many others well. So thank you so much for coming on the show. If folks are you know, interested in finding out more about you, where can they find you? Yeah, they can find me at mindlily.com. That's my website, M-I-N-D-L-I-L-Y.com. I've got a a few different resources for people. If they want to improve their memory, reading, and concentration, I have a book called Triple Your Reading, Memory, and Concentration in 30 Minutes. 
It's a free book that they can download at mindlily.com forward slash free. And right now I'm kind of um, talking a lot more about this concept of internal resistance, how as humans, our wants don't equate to desires. Just because we know what, just because we want to do something and know what to do and know how to do it, doesn't mean we'll be able to do it. And the reason is, is because of internal resistance. So I've got some free resources on that, which they can just get from my website, uh, mindlily.com, um, on how to um, how to understand what resistance is and and how it manifests, and more importantly, how to move past it. And if uh, anybody's interested, um, they can also email me for more information at cam, K-A-M, at mindlily.com. Awesome. It has been a fantastic time. Thanks again, Cam. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. It was great to be here. 